Fantasy Baseball today. It's Tuesday, September 6th. Hope you had a great Labor Day long weekend. I had a good long weekend. I know Scott and Al did not. They were here working on a very busy Monday with 16 games. And first of all, uh, Merry, Merry Strasmus, guys. Merry Strasmus to you. Steven Strasburg set to start tonight on Tuesday for the Washington Nationals. I guess not quite as much hype as last time. Apparently there are still some tickets available in Washington. Wow. Interesting. Shocked I, by that. I guess they don't think he's going to throw more than 70 pitches. Yeah, I guess not. I don't think either. I so. guess not. Strasmus well, might be more hype than might be getting more hype uh, than it deserves, at least on this podcast. Well, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Montero got a lot of hype and hit two home runs. I hope you followed our advice and at least considered starting him. He was only started in 11% of leagues. Uh, we want you to email us at dmfantasybaseball@cbs.com. Follow us on Twitter at cbsfantasybb, facebook.com slash cbssportsfantasy. We're winding down here. We only have, let's see, six more shows left, I think. Today, Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday. And then uh, we're pretty much done. We'll, we'll be back uh, sporadically to talk some, some baseball, but uh, we're, we're mostly done after a couple Sundays from now. Let's start the show, three up, three down, rotation. And usually we do most added dropped, but by this point we have talked about basically everybody on the most added and most drop list, all those young guys that have come up or the Diazes of the world. We've talked about it, so... Uh, let's let's try to focus on the guys we haven't spoken too much about. Jesus Montero, two home runs, both to opposite field in Yankee Stadium. Uh, what do you guys think about Montero right now? Yeah, I saw that second one. I didn't see the first. I didn't realize they were both opposite way. But that second one, you know, it, it nearly touched the upper deck out there. And I, I was watching the replay. I, I didn't see it in in live at live action speed, but it didn't look like that much of a swing. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was it was serious big time power from this guy. And Montero just strikes me as one of those players like like Chipper Jones and Hanley Ramirez, who you look at the minor league numbers and you think, okay, this guy is, isn't that big of a prospect. And then when he gets to the majors, he just completely blows those numbers out of the water. That that's kind of how I see uh, Montero's start here going and, and what he'll end up doing next year for fantasy owners as well. Okay. Two home runs and a double for Dexter Fowler. Any, you make anything of that, Al? Well, not just of that, but maybe the last, uh, I don't know, month and a half or so, whenever he came back from uh, adding that leg kick yeah. to his swing, you know, and I joked about it, you know, being the Elaine Bennis leg kick. But <laughs> right. <laughs> whatever works, because uh, he's been on an absolute tear ever since then, and he's a triple-hitting machine. He has 15 this year in just a fraction of a, a full season. So he, he came back for the start of the second half, uh, and since that point... Tenth most head-to-head points among all hitters. So he should be starting. Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm still hesitant to say that. You, you feel like he should be given that number and the fact he's had five of the of the first eight weeks of the second half. He scored 20 or more points, and he's already up to 13 this week. I chose to start Lucas Duda over him in the podcast league when I when I had to decide between that. But it, but it's looking more and more like Fowler hasn't been getting enough credit from us or fantasy owners in general. And it's kind of weird because you 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 look at the actual numbers during that that this hot stretch, um, and batting average a little over 300, OPS a little over 900. You know he's only got four home runs all season, so you wonder where those those points are coming from. It's it's pretty much all the triples, and uh, 
and you know a reasonably high batting average. So I think that's something he can continue. Okay. Uh, Mike Cameron, he homered twice Saturday. He doubled twice Monday. Any value there? He is basically unowned, Al. Well, you know, it's, I was listening to the Marlins broadcast last night, and one of the uh, well, the play-by-play guy made the comment of, you know, Cameron's really heating up. He's hitting two forty one as a Marlin. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, if that's your idea of heating up. But, you know, when I took a closer <laughs> look at the numbers uh, – you know, that 241 probably should be a little bit higher because um, he's been something of a baby victim this season. He's been hitting with uh, home run power and some line drive power, um, and he's been getting the homers, obviously. But, you know, maybe some more singles and doubles, too, along the way. So um, for a guy to add, uh, I, I would say, in a deeper mixed league down the stretch, he could be surprisingly productive. And the, the power is definitely legit for him, and the batting average could, could rise. Niger Morgan or Mike Cameron? Uh, I'd go Mike Cameron. Huh? All right. Yeah. Three down now. I wouldn't go Mike Cameron, no. just to throw that out there, especially now that Morgan's back stealing some bases. Okay. Uh, three down. Lonnie Chisenhall is number one. He went 0 for 4. He's hitting 228. Three home runs, eight RBIs so far. Uh, this is more of a question for next year, for 2012. Is Lonnie Chisenhall worth keeping? Lonnie Chisenhall is one of those prospects who – Unlike Chipper Jones and Hanley Ramirez, you look at the minor league numbers and you think, why is this guy a top prospect? And I still wonder that even today. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's ever going to be a high-end third baseman. Um, I'm not saying he'll never be serviceable in fantasy down the line, but I I don't feel good about him making a contribution the rest of this year. And and no, in standard, um, in, in, in mixed keeper leagues, I wouldn't plan on keeping Chisenhall. Three down, number two, Jay Bruce. Nothing new here, but I just wanted to ask you about the, the walk-to-strikeout ratio because it's awful. Uh, it, it always is. How much, of that, how much does that concern you with Jay Bruce? He doesn't walk a lot. He strikes out so much more than he, than he draws walks. Is that a big deal? See, I, I was a little confused by this. I know the ratio is not good. I, I don't think it's awful. It's not good. But, I mean, he's has, he has a 10% walk rate this year. I think that's what he also had last year. Yeah, but it's, so it's I mean, not different. I, I get what you're saying. This, that's always the biggest deal for any hitter for me is walk to strikeout ratio, and it's a reason I was never high on Jay Bruce until this year, when I thought he was going to take off, and obviously he hasn't since uh, since that huge month of May. Just two forty, thirteen homers, a seven sixty OPS. That's not. Those aren't mixed league relevant numbers, and. Yeah, well, and, and well, his walk to strikeout is almost exactly it, the yeah, same right. as what it, it was it last year. It stayed the same, and, yeah. and, I, and I would think at some point if he's going to break out, it, it would we would start to see improvement in that area from him. Well, he's been streaky his whole career. Yeah. Not, not a long career, obviously, but he's been streaky, so I hesitate to pass judgment you know before the the season's you know finally over because he could be a, a hot streak away from having much better looking numbers. And you know, I, I get to what you're saying, but he's 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 no Austin Jackson in terms of strikes no. and judgment. I mean, it's not. No, he's not, not that and, bad. And I don't want to condemn him saying, okay, he he didn't make me look good this year, so I'm never going to buy into him <laughs> again, and I'm going to think he's completely worthless for the rest of his career. It's possible he could have a big September like he did last year, and he'll have just as much hype going into next year. But I think the idea of Jay Bruce being a big breakout elite type outfielder in fantasy at some point down the line is no guarantee mm-hmm. it, it it happened for players you know matt kemp curtis granderson they make me look 
ridiculously stupid when they have years like they're having now because I've written them off for the same reason. So it's possible Jay Bruce could do that too. Okay. Three down number three is Cameron Maben. He went one for four with three strikeouts. Back in the lineup after dealing with an injury. He did steal his 34th base. Does he still have the same value he had a few weeks ago when he was one of the hottest players in baseball? Uh, I mean, I think he has the same value. Maybe the perception isn't because I think the perception maybe was he was a little overvalued um, a few weeks back. Um, but he hasn't really done anything in the interim right. to, you know, to make him any, any less of a player. But he hasn't I mean, done anything. I mean, well, is, is he coming back from his hot? Is he coming down from his hot streak? Yeah, I guess that's really that's really all I'm just trying to say is okay. you know, I think he is uh, coming back to a level that is more reasonable to expect from Maben, and that's still a level that you can use in a deeper mixed league. I don't think he was ever really shouldn't have been too relevant in standard mixed leagues. Okay, rotation time, fellas. Five pitchers from Monday's games. Freddie Garcia, he got crushed. Seven earned runs in two and two-thirds. Luckily, Brian Mattis was even worse. But Baltimore really roughed up Freddie Garcia. What do you make of this start? Well, I think the last time we talked about Freddie Garcia, I said he had a 5% home run to fly ball ratio, mm-hmm. which I said was crazy low. Yeah. I don't think it's 5% anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up two home runs in that game, and it was at Yankee Stadium uh, where he seems to have had some, some good luck with, with fly balls. Um, a little bit of a correction. He's still having a very good season. This does not give you any cause for concern going forward with him no not really uh again another guy i think who may be based on his fantasy stats has been a little bit overrated but not wildly so i don't think people have i think no. a lot of people look at his stats yeah, you, and, are, and are suspicious right you, you know what you're getting into with garcia a risky pitcher with a good supporting cast who uh has the potential to overachieve but you know these starts are certainly possible for him also right Talking about a couple of White Sox pitchers, they had a doubleheader yesterday. Zach Stewart in the nightcap pitched a one-hitter. He took a perfect game into the eighth. This was in Minnesota. He struck out nine. Philip Umber pitched seven scoreless with six strikeouts in the day game. So what does that mean for the White Sox rotation going forward, given these two starts? Yeah, that's they, a really good question. But Well, I, go ahead, Scott. Well, they talked about shutting PV down. Jake Peavy down. Yeah, Exactly, and this gives them more reason to do that. Uh, for fantasy owners, I'm I'm actually more encouraged about the Umber start than the Stewart start because Umber has been viable m- most of the time he's pitched this year. Stewart had a couple rough starts coming into this one and was facing a lineup. Danny Valencia was the cleanup hitter. Uh, <laughs> Tasani, Dinkelman, Repco were all in the lineup. It it was it was a Triple A lineup basically, and uh, he's. He might be a triple-A pitcher, honestly. So I, I need to see a lot more from Stewart before I, I buy in, into him as anything more than an AL-only option. Hey, how about Adam Azer's deep sleeper from Sunday's show? James McDonald, the two-star pitcher who had two good home matchups. Well, he got the win, and he pitched pretty well on Monday. Yeah, I wish I had taken Adam Azer's advice. <laughs> yeah, uh, you should have. I could have used him this week, countering some of the hot pitchers uh, Scott White's got in his lineup in the podcast league. Uh, so, yeah, no good. And, and, yeah, again, you've said it. I think we've all taken our turn saying it. McDonald's been very good and consistent at home this year. So, But uh, you look at this, uh, just looking at the game log for him, he went seven and a third innings. That was the first time he'd gone beyond seven. It was only the second time he had gone seven all season. Yeah, I actually noticed you wrote a headline about it because it yeah. was such an anomaly. <laughs> no, I know. He doesn't pitch deep into games. And but if you get a guy in a two-start week exactly. and you get 12 innings out of him and potentially two wins, 
against two bad teams. Right. I just don't. I just don't think he can be more than that. You know, but we're getting towards the end of the year here. He's this is something this week, he can build so. off for next year. Yeah. He might not have a two start week left. Yeah. Except for that last really long week where everybody's going to have two starts. But you want to start him then, then anyway. That's true. Let's talk about James Shields. He has thrown 11 complete games this season. That leads the majors the most since Randy Johnson's 12 complete games in 1999. What made you feel confident in James Shield this, Shields this year, Al? Uh, you know, it was just more looking at last year and just seeing that it didn't fit with his history, um, especially the you know extremely high home run rate. Um, he's a little bit of a, a – had been a little bit of a fly ball pitcher, but it just didn't make sense. Um, and so I just you know looked at the two or three seasons before that, and this was a guy who was sort of on the cusp of being a top-notch starter. And, you know, of course, he's even improved this year. Yeah. Um, so I didn't necessarily see the improvement, but I did see him at least getting back to where he had been before uh, 2010 a lot of randy johnson milestones going down what else do we have uh cliff lee six shutout uh, on sunday or on monday against the braves and that was the first time a pitcher has shown thrown six shutouts in a season since randy johnson in 1998 really yeah so this is kind of what we're seeing with with uh the high-end pitcher coming back in baseball the last couple years randy johnson who for that stretch at the end of the 90s, might have been the only high-end pitcher in baseball, except for maybe Kurt Schilling. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. What did you say, late 90s? Yeah. Pedro Martinez was the man in the late 90s. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I I guess I was thinking partially early 2000s also. Yeah. Randy Johnson, for me, was, the I think, the best pitcher of my youth. Better than Clemens, better than Pay, because for longer. Did it for longer. It was amazing. Yeah, he... What do you guys think? I, I think so also. I mean, Greg Maddox, uh, you know, baseball, yeah. baseballreference.com has kind of an interesting system where people vote on and, and, and figure out who, how exactly the pitchers rank. And actually, Greg Maddox is ranked the third pitcher of all time, and Randy Johnson is, I don't know, like 10th, 11th, somewhere around there. I think Randy Johnson was better than Greg Maddox, honestly, <laughs> and I say that as a Braves fan who – Watched Maddox on a start by start basis. Interesting. Wait, I'm just curious because, like, okay, when did you each start really following baseball? Well, so we're both 27, right? Yeah. Breakout year. The yeah. first year right. I, I followed at pretty much every game in a season was 1994. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. I mean, I remember, I remember the Yankees from earlier than that, but baseball, 94, 95. Okay, because I have to go back and see. What part of what colors my perception of Randy Johnson is early in his career, I remember him having a lot of control problems, being really inconsistent, yeah. getting the tag of not living up to his potential. And so you talk about him doing it a long time. He was great later in his career. But I'm not uh, sure he had more dominant seasons than Maddox or, or Pedro Martinez, though. Uh, I'm not sure. Because it started in 93 for Johnson. And when did it end? Uh, God. Uh, I don't know what. Probably six years ago? when he went to the Yankees in the mid two thousands. So that's well, yeah, that would be six yeah. years ago. So because uh, he was great before that. Yeah. So so we're talking about well, that's, twelve, yeah. thirteen years. Is that right? I think that's probably about accurate. Yeah. Yeah, and that probably is a longer stretch than Pedro. I would think for sure. Oh, Pedro, definitely. Maddox. I don't know. Maddox was great for a long time. He's the top guy uh, for the nineties and early two thousands in in my estimation. But part of what 
sets Randy Johnson apart, obviously the strikeouts from Maddox, but even against Pedro, for years, Randy Johnson, he could throw a complete game every time out if he wanted to, and that's invaluable. Yeah. You don't have to go to the bullpen. He just terrified me. There was no <laughs> pitcher I wanted to see my team face less than, than Randy Johnson. He was the guy. He, you know, especially Pedro, because, you know, the Yankees, he was, the Yankees were his daddy, right? <laughs> we all do that. Um, yeah, it's great pitchers. Good argument. I, I forget about Maddox for some reason. I just, I don't know why, because I'm an idiot, I guess. Injuries, news, and notes. Alexio Gondo had his starts uh, skipped. He pitched out of the bullpen Monday. So is he going to make more? He's going to make another start, right? He's supposed to make one on Saturday. Um, and it's interesting because I had read in several different places that he was going to start on Saturday. And then I saw a quote from Ron Washington just yesterday saying, well, we'll see how it goes. Maybe not. So I think at this point we have to look at that Saturday start for Ogando as, as tentative. Ooh, that's not good. Josh Beckett left in the fourth inning. Ankle injury. What's the deal? Uh, we'll know more today, today being Tuesday, um, because he will. He is already back in Boston. He's going to have it checked out. It doesn't necessarily sound like a big thing, something maybe where he'll miss one start. Of course, then we, we said the same thing about Jonathan Sanchez, so that's what has me a little bit worried about Beckett. But, said it was something, he felt something in his ankle that he never felt before. Yeah. And, which is always kind of eerie. Yeah, that's but weird. It, it's easy to make too much of it at this point. It, it could just... It, he, Yeah, he sustained the injury actually before the game. It sounds like basically tripping on the bullpen mound, but then he made it you know, three-plus innings until he Six actually... strikeouts in those three-plus innings. Yeah, pitched innings. really well, yeah. and then just you know suddenly felt the pain in his ankle. So it's, it's a little tough to gauge, uh, but I, it's certainly nothing to panic over just yet. Mike Stanton's hamstring injury. Are we panicking over this? No, it it looks like a day-to-day injury. I I think it's possible that the Marlins could be extra cautious with him because they've clearly given up on the season. Josh Johnson not coming back. Hanley Ramirez not coming back. There's no reason to take any chances with the future franchise player like Stanton. So he should be back next week for you, but in in daily leagues, you'll have to keep up with the lineups on a day-to-day basis. Joe Blanton back for the Phillies, but he will pitch out of the bullpen. Do you expect anything from Johan Santana this season? Not much. I, he could very easily make one or maybe even two starts, but like Strasburg, he's going to be on a very, very strict uh, pitch count. So uh, nothing I think that's going to be very useful to fantasy owners. Tommy Hansen, Jair Jurgens both said they are hoping to make one or two starts before the end of the regular season. And yeah, if you own either of them, uh, you really shouldn't be counting on them. To help you again in fantasy, I think it's very likely they both will make one or two starts, but when exactly those come and how deep they'll go into the game, uh, it's it's they're just too risky, I think. Eric Bedard will have his start skipped Friday. He's got a knee injury, and Grady Sizemore is back. He went 0-4 with two strikeouts. Jason Kipnis might return this week. Do either of these two Cleveland developments intrigue you the Kipnis one especially uh now actually before Kipnis Sizemore is not going to play every day um so they actually rushed him back to try to catch the Tigers uh which of course is becoming something that's going to be harder and harder for the Indians to do but the uh Maniac just said Sizemore is not going to play every day Kipnis could be back Tuesday today so um All that right. could be a surprisingly good week for him this week uh if that does pan out you know when you say Maniac really fast it kind of sounds like Maniac did you notice that? He is a maniac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, a few more notes from around baseball. What's up with Kyle Hudson, one for eight in his early Baltimore career? Is this guy a prospect? Is he worth looking at? Well, I, I, you know, I saw the lineup yesterday, and I saw Kate Hud- K. Hudson at the top of the lineup, and I immediately <laughs> thought, thought Kate, Kate Hudson, Hudson, which means Kyle Hudson is <laughs> nothing more than an afterthought for me. That is funny. So, okay, so I'm not alone in that because I did no. the same thing, and it also reminded me of when Brendan Ryan first came up with the Cardinals, and I didn't know who B. Ryan was and thought, oh, Buddy Ryan plays baseball now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kyle Hudson is no more significant than Kate Hudson in fantasy <laughs> baseball. Scott Sizemore has homered twice in three games. Sizemore or Kipnis? Kipnis. Yeah, easily. Kipnis. Doug Fister has been outstanding. Three earned runs over his last four starts. Eight innings and 13 strikeouts in Cleveland as the Tigers keep pulling away. Did you expect this from Fister? No. Not the, <laughs> not the strikeouts. And, and not, not even the overall performance. Yeah. He ruined a, a headline I was really excited about because he walked a batter in this game, which was the first time in three starts he had done that. So the headline was going to be Fister walks, walks a batter, wins anyway. But, you know, I, I couldn't ignore yeah, the 13 the, strikeout. Yeah. That was the bigger story. So, but, no, you're not going to see that from Doug Fister very often, if ever again. Hiroki Kuroda gave up five runs in six innings. He did strike out nine. Is he more than just a marginal guy at this point in mixed leagues? He hasn't been uh, as as good recently. Yeah. Uh, ZR is back up over three now, but I still think overall he he's kind of underrated because what the 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 Dodgers' lack of run support for him. He's got like an eleven and fifteen record, which is still ridiculous for a guy with those other stats. So I feel like with the Dodgers playing better baseball now, Kuroda could actually be uh, a more have a greater significance in fantasy down the stretch especially you got to think a guy like him he's not he's gonna make his start every turn through the order over these last couple weeks scott feldman four runs in five innings at tampa bay anthony swarzak eight innings two runs Henderson Alvarez shut out the Red Sox over six innings. Rank those three. Feldman, Swarzak, Alvarez. Go the other way. Alvarez, Alvarez Swarzak, Feldman. Okay. Uh, and, and Feldman, I mean, I think based on just, you know, skill alone, if there were opportunity, I would put Feldman ahead of Swarzak. Um, yeah. And maybe even at the top, but um, another Ron Washington quote from yesterday, he is done giving his starters extra rest. I'm still not sure exactly where that's going to leave Ogando. But um, if Ogando does stay in the rotation, and, and my hunch is that he will, uh, Feldman might be done making spot starts. Wade Miley, seven innings, excuse me, seven innings, two earned runs. Three and one with a 3-5-2 ERA for Arizona. Eh? Anyone care? That's a few good starts in a row for Miley. I still don't think the overall numbers are good enough to give him, give him any attention in mixed leagues. But in a lonely leagues... Might have some sleeper appeal heading into next year. Uh, just depends on the direction the Diamondbacks go with the rotation, probably. Fill in the blank. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a blank chance of winning the National League. Reasonable. Yeah. Wow, I was thinking close to zero. Yeah, I'd close say, to zero. I say slim. Have, I say almost no. What chance. playoffs have you been watching since the wild card started? No, anything they. they that's why I said. Not. That's why I didn't say zero. They have two good pitchers. The anything can happen. Argument. At least have five. Okay. No, that that's fine. <laughs> but look what happened time. to the Phillies last year when they had the H two O combination going. Granted, the Giants had pretty good pitchers too, but 
All right, well, they were clearly inferior to the Phillies, I would say. I mean, you, you know, you make a good point. I mean, and just about anything can happen. Um, Arizona's offense and their, their top two guys uh, in the rotation give them a chance, but I, I, they just don't measure up to the other teams that are going to be in the playoffs. No, I agree with that, but the playoffs are anything can happen. <laughs> Any, oh, that's anybody, such a weak argument. Anything can happen. Well, this isn't a promo. I know, yeah, but it's true. Their, it's true. It's true. Their chances. You, chances is a, is a probability. So, yeah, in a probability, probability anything can happen. Okay. But So, <laughs> what would you put the Phillies against all four other teams? What are the Phillies' chances of going to the World Series? 90%. No No, way. no, 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 because no, no the, the Brewers and I think even the Braves – you know they can't. I mean, that's that's a scenario where I, I see an upset. I say sixty percent. Oh, and when you the consider there's four teams there, sixty percent giving them more than are. half a chance. No, I, but look I at the competition. I, I agree. Look, at how, look, it's the same thing that happened to the Braves all throughout the '90s. They had the six twenty-five winning percentage during the regular season, based mostly on an elite rotation. You get to the playoffs, another team gets hot, yeah. and that's it. Okay. I think the Brewers could be scary. I mean, they yeah, also have definitely. a really good rotation and, a, and an excellent lineup. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't know if they still can't win on the road. I'm assuming they have been winning on the road because they've been winning everywhere. But I know that they've been much better at home. And if they have to play Game 7 in Philadelphia or Yeah, all it takes it is, is just one game to, for them yeah. to hold serve. So it would be – yeah, so Philadelphia would be playing Arizona in the first round, right? And it would be Braves-Brewers? I'd, I'd assume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, let me see. What else? Madison Bumgarner, 13 strikeouts and 8 and a third. He's been really good lately, too. Mm-hmm. Really good all season, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a complete game shutout for Cliff Lee. He allowed five hits, and Danny Nobler wrote a story about him. He's really in the race for the Cy Young. Nobler says he allowed, and I mean, obviously, this is not like an insight or anything, but he allowed one run in 42 innings in June, two runs in 39 and two-thirds in August. Yep. And now no runs in nine innings against the Braves in September. But you just yeah. don't want to be near him in July, I guess. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. So if you yeah. own Cliff Lee, you should have traded him in July and then traded back for him in August. Yep, that's kind of the streakiness we've talked about with him before. But assuming he doesn't have another one of those downswings in September, I think he will win the Cy Young. I don't, I don't see how you could argue against him. Even, even Roy Halladay, I mean, his numbers aren't really inferior in any aspect i mean superior in any aspect yeah who else would it be well there's kershaw kennedy Kennedy got kershaw yeah that's the other big one i I would say uh for me it would go lee kershaw halliday kennedy right now wow ian kennedy great year yeah okay let's quick pitch here one player in each league jeff neiman is al's scott's al player Right? Yes, he is. <laughs> Scott could talk about Jeff Neiman. Yeah, okay. I'll talk about Neiman because Al's usually the one who talks about him. He That's was true. he was really the Threw first one on the Neiman bandwagon when he uh, returned from the DL for I think it was I think it was a shoulder acting up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was can't ask Al questions when he has coffee in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he he gave a <laughs> <laughs> yeah he gave the response it needed. So I was the first one on the bandwagon hyping him up, and, and really after a while, you cannot really argue against him. He had an eight-start stretch since the beginning of July, since the third start off the DL, where he posted a 171 ERA, 
40, uh, he had 54 strikeouts compared to only 13 walks in 58 innings during that stretch, which, I mean, he was pretty much an ace. It, it culminated with a complete game, 10 strikeout performance at Boston on August 16th, where he was just on top of the world, must-start guy, he looked like, in all leagues going forward. But since then, in three starts, he has a 579 ERA. Got rattled for five runs in, in five innings last time out. Actually got dropped by somebody in the podcast league. I scooped him up because I still feel like, you know, the the three-start stretch compared to the eight-start stretch, I'll, I'll go with the eight-start stretch. But uh, on Tuesday today, he has he's going against the Rangers, and I think it could be a big start in determining his value over the last couple weeks here, whether you can rely on him as that every-start kind of guy or whether he's too inconsistent for outside of two start weeks. Uh, so Neiman against the Rangers, tough matchup, obviously. Somebody to watch tonight. Al's AL player is Gio Gonzalez. And I just want to mention that. So I guess the way this breaks down is I talk about Jeff Neiman when things are going well, <laughs> and Scott talks about him when they're not. Well, that's yeah, what the so. bandwagon's all about. <laughs> all right, so yeah, I'm going to uh, talk about Gio Gonzalez. And... You know, this is really influenced by just emails and you know tweets and, and chat questions we get because he seems to be a real polarizing guy, um, and it seems like there are more people that doubt him than support him. Although he is owned in seventy-five, or I'm sorry, ninety-five percent of leagues, but he is benched in twenty-three percent of those leagues. And for a guy who strikes out uh, more than or no close to a batter in an inning, uh, I think he's just under uh, a batter per inning. Um, you know, it's it's a little suspicious that uh, you know he's being benched in so many leagues and the thing with him is the whip i mean he's wild always been wild he's made improvements from year to year in his walk rate uh, but he is striking out more guys this year but the thing that i found out in looking up gonzalez's numbers i thought was interesting to see can i really make an argument that this is a guy that you can trust every week he has at least to me what are surprisingly home surprising home away splits he is really superb at home 2.36 era and here's the part that was surprising to me, 1.14 whip, because you would expect a pitcher in Oakland's not going to give up many home runs. He's only given up five home home runs this year, the home home runs, uh -huh. Oakland home runs uh, this year. Uh, but the 1.14 whip, I mean, he walks guys at home just like he does on the road. But the difference there is that I think he takes advantage of the, that huge foul territory in Oakland. Also like Moscoso does and maybe the whole rest of the rotation. So he doesn't give up a lot of base hits on contact when he's pitching at home as opposed to on the road. Um, so even though he walks a ton of guys, even when he's got those home starts, very low whip. So if, particularly if you're in a shallower league and you're really on the fence about whether or not to use him, just you know, see if he's pitching at home because I think he's a guy that you can trust every week in just about any format if he's pitching in Oakland. Okay, makes sense. Scott's NL player, Javi Guerra. Yeah, Javi Guerra is a guy we nobody was really willing to buy into back before the All-Star break. The Dodgers had that stretch of 43 games where they recorded three saves as a team. Guerra had two of them, uh, but Jonathan Broxton was on the DL, Hong Chi Kuo, Kenley Jansen. They were, they were all away. Nobody really thought, okay, Guerra's going to be the guy. They thought he was just the the fill-in during that time. Well, since Guerra finally recorded his third save on July 8th, his 13th saves, at least heading into Monday, were the sixth. Were tied for the sixth most in baseball. Uh, he just it came off a four-save week last week that 
help me get an advantage overall in the <laughs> podcast league, which is partially the inspiration for this. But you look at what the Dodgers have been doing recently, um, been on a, a really a tear as a team, uh, closing the gap in the NL West. They're actually there's actually more distance between the Diamondbacks and the Giants now than the Giants and the Dodgers. So they're they're closing in on second place, and it, it makes a lot of sense. They have who some uh, who some people think is the leading MVP candidate in Matt Kemp. They have a deep rotation with Kershaw. Kuroda, Lilly, Billingsley, all of them. They have a DM as their manager. They do have one of those also. And uh, they should be a respectable team, and they're actually performing like it right now. So you got Guerra with his low 2 ERA, his low 1 whip, throws in the mid-90s, uh, has been as consistent as you could ask for at, that clo- at, at closing out games. And uh, a team who should give him consistent save opportunities down the stretch. I don't see how he's not a number two reliever in fantasy now. And yet he's owned at last checked in only 48% of leagues. So saves are, you know, people are always hurting for saves, it seems like. Why is this guy not getting more attention? I say it needs to start right now. Javi Guerra. Pay attention even if you don't pick him up, just pay attention to him, for God's sake. He needs the attention. <laughs> Jose Lopez is Al's NL player. Yeah, um, you know, sort of like Mike Cameron heating up uh, for the Marlins with some power and um, ridiculous power numbers since becoming a Marlin earlier this season. Now, the batting average is a two seventy two right now with Florida, um, and I think that's pretty high even though the guy makes contact at a, at a really good rate doesn't walk at all 302 on base percentage but here's the fun number 556 slugging percentage so when you subtract the the batting average out of that to get the um to get the isolated power close to 300 i mean that's like pool holes isolated power numbers nice that's, and that's not a number that you see for a second baseman uh, at all so um you know a guy who uh, you know, may not necessarily get enough at bats to matter the rest of this year because the Mats are calling up Matt Dominguez to play third base uh, today, Tuesday. Uh, they got a very crowded infield situation, but they do want to look at Lopez for next year. So may get enough playing time to matter this year, but I think, you know, a guy to watch for next year because good power hitter in Seattle as recently as two years ago. It seems a lot longer than that. It was just two seasons ago that he put up good power numbers in a terrible power stadium. Then last year, not really clear what happened. Awful start with the Rockies earlier this year, but inexplicably was a ground ball hitter for the brief time he was with the Rockies. Now he's back to um, you know, hitting more flies like he did in his Seattle days and getting the power to show for it. So could be a real nice sleeper for next season and even somebody to help you out this year. By the way, that new Marlins ballpark will be a pitcher's park. Pretty big dimensions. Yeah, not surprised. I hadn't seen that, was curious about it, but, I mean, they've always built that team around pitching. Yeah, so. that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Not great for the fans, necessarily. Eh, but, you know, you try, to, you try to win some games, put some fannies in the seats. That's just another reason why Hanley Ramirez is going to be a big-time bus candidate heading into next year, I think. Okay, <laughs> you heard it here first. That's it for today's show. We're back tomorrow to look at Tuesday's games. Maybe talk keeper leagues, things like that. And uh, we'll get to your emails. DM fantasy baseball at CBS.com. See you later.